MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joe Sheehan joins us to talk baseball. He is, of course, the author of the Joe Sheehan newsletter. How are you, Joe? Good to talk to you, man. Good. This is the first I've heard about this NFL thing. That's that's wild. I think teams for the extra two games, teams should just play pickup ball. You just say the Philly, uh, say the Sixers and Knicks just pick some outdoor court in I don't know Trenton, New Jersey or something, <laughs> and just go go get a run up. You know, first to ten wins. Knicks and Sixers go to Rucker Park now. I like it. You have a game. Exactly. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, Joe, first of all, uh, before we even launch into it, tell everybody where they can get your newsletter and, and all the different things you do with it. JoeSheehan.com. I've been writing the newsletter now. This is my 14th season. Before that, I was with Sports Illustrated, Baseball Prospectus, Baseball America. I've written everywhere. Uh, and the newsletter is where I write about the game on field, off field. Definitely a stat head perspective, but I like to think it's readable if you're not that into the numbers. Uh, it's a passion project for me. A couple thousand people subscribe. I'm doing it for a while now, and I really love it. So you go on there, you see excerpts of everything I've done. Like the last week, I've written about Shohei Otani. I've written about uh, teams that are over and underperforming. I've written about uh, the Reds. There's a complete piece up there about you know this, this recent Reds run. You can scroll through and see that full piece for free. Subscription information is on the site as well, joshian.com. And there's a Slack Slack. Uh sort of adjunct to this as well? There is. You know, about five years ago, I kind of tried to figure out how to do it. It's free. If you get the newsletter, you can actually sign up for the Slack. It's ball talk 24-7, 365. Hundreds of people love the game. The other thing, uh, Gil, I should mention on here, I actually have an opt-in gaming newsletter as well where I kind of break down the games and look ahead to the night slate. I added that this year because a lot of people wanted that sort of content. And the people who didn't want it really didn't want it. So you can opt into it as well. That's awesome. Okay, so one of these pieces that you just talked about is what I want to get into because I think you framed the season, you know, from a from a headline standpoint really well, which is, okay, the first headline was the shortening of games, all the, all the ways that they did that. Shohei is probably headline number two. And, and headline number three is, you know, you have, a, you have some teams like the Padres, like the Cardinals, um, you know, teams that have completely underperformed who are expected to do very well in their divisions. But you you take this from a standpoint of, okay, underperformers and, and, and overperformers, we do tend to somewhat exaggerate that. Explain what you mean by that. Well, it's two things. One is that here's a natural variance to teams throughout a season that I don't think we appreciate. A team might be three wins off its pace, and we're like, oh, my God, what's wrong with them? Well, they're three wins off their pace. That's just the nature of a baseball season. But the other thing is, and that's why, so if you scale down their records, you get a better sense of, of where they are. And I think that 
with these three teams we're talking about, the Padres, Cardinals, and Mets. They were the three, four, five seeds last year, and all of them are, are legitimately underperforming, anywhere from seven to 11 wins off the pace we would have expected them to have. And, you know, it's not early anymore. I'm the guy who really tries to not jump to conclusions when a team is, you know, a, a game under 500 in the middle of May. But we're almost 90 games into the season, past July 4th, about to hit the All-Star break. And whether teams think they're better or worse than they are, the standings are going to dictate their actions over the next few weeks. It's one thing to say, hey, you know, we're not really a 35 and 51 team like the Cardinals are. But if you're 12 and a half games out of the division, that's got to drive your, your decisions at the deadline. So for these three teams, I think we can legitimately say they're not meeting where we expected them to be. And that's got to be the focus of their choices as we hit the deadline. And the other thing is, it's funny, all three teams, it's the bullpen. These are three teams that had top 10 bullpens last year. All of them are bottom 10 this year. It's the bullpen. I've tried to stress this when I talk about the Giants and the Giants' success, not only when they won their three World Series, but even the way they're manipulating their pitching staff, and they're doing something specific this year. But the common thread of those three World Series teams, and we can talk about the Royals' World Series uh, winner as well, it was the bullpen. And the bullpen is what we as, as sports bettors, it's harder for us to quantify that with, you know, we watch baseball, we watch it with our eyes, we take in what we can. We can't really soak in bullpen the same way, right, as we can one individual starter or a hitter. Um, and so I think that it is always the, the thing that really is the secret sauce of Major League Baseball. Now, of the teams that have overperformed outside of that five-game window or underperformed, let's take the overperformers first because I want to ask you who you think of these teams, which of these do you think is sustainable? So obviously the Reds. Uh, are the are the biggest overperformer based on projection to this point? Orioles, Rangers, even the Braves, as great as we thought they'd be, are even that much more spectacular. As is the case with the Rays, Marlins, D-backs, Nationals, uh, as you point out, largely because of defense. Which of those? I mean, obviously the Braves might be one of them, but, but I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Which of those teams do you think is the most sustainable, and which is the least sustainable? Which do you think is okay? This is an outlier. It'll change. I look at that Reds pitching staff, and I have a hard team, hard time seeing them holding up. Now, they've won four in a row. They, they're still getting a lot of great work out of their young players. Matt McClain and Ellie Dela Cruz, the guy that the guys they've called up this year, Spencer Steer. Uh, but when you look at that rotation, you know, Andrew Abbott was very good his last time out. Some underlying numbers that aren't so great. But you're talking about a team that's trying to get it done with Luke Weaver, with the occasion of bullpen game. They've got to get Hunter Green back. They've got to get Nick Lodolo back. Right now, they're hoping for early August for both. But even then, I don't think this rotation and really the bullpen behind uh, Alexis Diaz is going to be good enough to hold on. So I think the Reds have the most collapse risk of these teams. You look at the Orioles, though, you know, similar issues with the questions about the pitching staff, but two true dominant relievers at the back end with Bautista and Cano. So when they They've been shortening games to seven innings, and they keep bringing up talent. Just this week, they called up Jordan Westberg, who's one of their top infield prospects. They've gotten it done this year with Rutschman and Henderson. Joey Ortiz has been up a few times, and they've got guys coming up behind them. Colton Kowser's an outfielder who just got called up. Heston Kerstad will be up soon, and eventually Jackson Holiday. So this is a team that has a lot of talent to bring up to the major leagues, and as we'll see over the next few weeks, a lot of talent that can be used in trade to improve that pitching staff. Same question then for the big underperformers, which are the Royals, uh, the Padres, the White Sox, the Cardinals, the Mets, and the Athletics. So the teams you've already mentioned, and then the real, uh, you know, the real bottom of the barrel teams in the Royals and the Athletics. Yeah, um, 
I'm finally off the Cardinals. I pretty much insisted until uh, like the ninth inning last night, Cardinals could still make a run in the bad uh, NL Central. And I'm pretty much giving up at this point. Me, Again, the bullpen's undercut too. a lot of what they've done. Yeah. <laughs> me too, man. Uh, but I think the Padres are dangerous. Now, not maybe catch the Diamondbacks dangerous, but I think they're going to find their way into the postseason. If you look at their numbers this year, you know, a lot of it is hitting with runners in scoring position, which isn't a skill apart from hitting. So that's the kind of thing we would expect to regress over the last 70 games of the season. You look at the raw talent at the top of that lineup, we can expect Machado and Bogarts to finally get healthy and hit better than they have. And I think that bullpen, which again, I mentioned earlier, has been bad. You look at getting healthy, Luis Garcia getting healthy. You look at what they have in Steven Wilson and Nick Martinez. I think once they get their, their core guys uh, in front of Josh Hader, they're going to be fine. So yeah, I like the Padres to make a run. Yeah, that and that will, you know, and, and if they do make the run, it will probably, the, the mainstream media narrative will probably be the hitters coming to life or something, but it will right. probably be the bullpen that will make uh, the biggest difference. Last thing was we only have uh, 45 seconds here. Shohei, my instinct is no matter what, they're not going to part. The Angels are not going to part with Shohei. What is yours? I'm with you, Gil, and I've been with you for over a year now. The Angels need to win to have any hope of retaining Shohei Otani, and that's always been their goal. They don't have a good enough farm system to go into a rebuild. They certainly don't have a good enough base talent to say, hey, look, we can get rid of we can trade Shohei and be back next year. They have to try to win this year to convince him that he can be on a winning team in Anaheim. So no matter what, even with the Trout injury, Rendon, um, I don't see them trading Shohei Otani. I completely agree with that. We shall, we will see. Time will tell for sure. Joe, always a pleasure. Let's do this more. Thanks, Gil. Take care. Joe Sheehan, everybody, on Twitter at Joe underscore Sheehan. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Gil Alexander, Kelly Bidlin in the house. And so too is Chris Felica from Fox Sports, who joins us now. You may know him as the bear on his way to faraway places. Where are you headed? Uh, well, I'm, I'm headed, uh, first of all, like crack, I'm mad. 
Yes, I missed the, the split and bets yell, first of you all. Did. You did. And then I, I, I missed this morning because you're talking about the Wimbledon schedule. Yeah. I was going to play Buskova versus Annette Kontovic because she wasn't going to win in and the you, match. And you didn't I, even play it? The time schedule got all screwed up, and, of course, Buskova won very easily. It has sort of thrown this yeah, tournament out of whack. But, I'll, yeah, I'm going to L.A. Uh, <laughs> after this for uh, the uh, football meetings at Fox. Nice. And this weekend we have uh, Gold Cup soccer shows that I will be a part of Saturday and Sunday. U.S. playing, Mexico playing, which will be fun. And then uh, a week from tomorrow, I head to Australia for the Women's World Cup for about six weeks. Six weeks yep. for, the, which will be great. for the Women's World Cup. Yep. Looking wow. forward to it. Wow. That, that will leave Antarctica as the only continent I will not have been to. Wow. Really? Yes. Do you plan on going to Antarctica or Antarctica I would love day? to, actually. I, I, yeah. there, there are a bunch of cruises you can do down there now. Yeah. I know a, a buddy of mine and his wife recently did one and loved it. They did? Yes. Okay. So... I, they, they, I, did, they did the polar dive into the... the would the, you do the, that? That's tough. I don't know if I could do that. I, I, could, do the, uh, I could do the swimming with the shark in the shark cage off of South Africa. I could do that. But the, the polar... Ooh, that, yeah. That's asking that's a, a lot. lot. I make you a minus 300 favorite to go to Antarctica. You, you, you seem like adventurous. Now I would love to. Yeah. The, the problem is most of the cruises from my brief investigation are the same, like in the, in the early... Part of the year, like February, and that's usually like beach time. So I don't. That might be a hard sell with the misses. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally understand that. I'd be with the misses on that one. So uh, you're going to do the World <laughs> Cup in Australia, which is primarily in Sydney, but the but the U.S. women's team plays a couple games. Yeah, I, I believe all of the U.S.'s women's games, uh, except for the final and one of their group stage matches, would potentially be in New Zealand. In New Zealand. So I, I think two of the three uh, group stage matches are in New Zealand, and then each of their knockout round matches would be in New Zealand until the, uh, until the final as well. Do you have a World Cup pick already? I don't. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to continue to look at the prices. I, even despite all of the injuries that the U.S. has, they're still the best team. I, I think Germany is on the other side of the bracket. They're probably the team most likely to emerge from the other side. But then you got teams like... Like France, you don't know what the heck is going to happen with them with the coaching change and everything that's gone on with their roster. England has been decimated by injuries more so than the United States, so they probably aren't to the caliber still of U.S. and Germany. So if I had to guess, it, would, it will probably be either U.S. or Germany that winds up winning this thing. And for those who are interested in these kinds of things, and I know I am, what will your role be in the coverage? That's a great question, I am assuming. Oh. I mean, we're, I'm, I'm going to probably find out more about that this weekend. Okay. But uh, I, I will assume that I'm going to be part of the uh, – the coverage from the set, we're offering picks and advice and maybe blurting out something like, yeah, I like Vietnam plus four and a half goals against the U.S. <laughs> in this group stage match, that could, something like that. And I think I'm going to do a, uh, a daily social type deal as well, either on – Sweet. By, by the way, I haven't logged into Facebook in like four years. Now I have to sign up for threads. Yes. We got <laughs> another one. It's the fever. Ain't happened. I'm not even on TikTok yet, but I've been told by my uh, producer out there that I kind of need to sign up for TikTok now. I mean, you got you haven't like you thumbed through TikTok no, videos in your life? Not at all. Wow. Okay. I'm get off. I'm I'm get off my lawn, guy. <laughs> you. Oh, they'll get to you eventually. Wait. So then, same question for college football mm-hmm. coverage for Fox this mm-hmm. fall. Will you assume your similar role that yeah, you had at ESPN? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. I don't. It's. I don't think we're gonna do the exact same thing. Here's a board. Here's right. me sitting up. But but yeah, there will be a. Yes, I'll, I'll be a good, a significant part of their coverage. By the way, I'm totally expecting you to say Vietnam plus four and a half goals. On the <laughs> for, as example, knowing yeah. that they're in the yes. group. Uh, okay, so football, you're you're going to assume the the classic bear role mm-hmm. on the uh, Fox. Yep. 
college set, and you have a few college football season win totals that you wanted to yeah, talk about. Yeah, I, I, I put out a couple out there that we've talked about already. Okay. Um, and I put a couple more that I wound up playing, and, and these are every. I always find value with the under uh, before the year. Everybody thinks their team is going to be great. Everybody thinks their team is going to win every game. And in Notre Dame, I, I think there might have been some nines out there, but now uh, the best number I could find was eight and a half, and I went under eight and a half even still. Wow. I mean, you, you, well, you look. They've, they've got Ohio State. They've got Clemson. They've got USC. Maybe they pull one of those upsets. Maybe. But still, look at them last year. They, they, they had two of the worst losses in the country last year, uh, losing to Marshall and, what was the other, and, and Stanford, who was terrible in the Pac-12. So this is a team that you can look at it both ways. Hey, they had two terrible – there was no way they're going to lo- lose games like that again. Or, yeah, they're capable of losing to anybody. Yes, their quarterback position will be more solidified with Sam Hartman, but you'll lose Michael Mayer. And then you've got those games like – NC State and Louisville. Those could be losses Pitt. too. It yeah. could be losses too. So uh, I, I thought under eight and a half with Notre Dame was a. You uh, sold a good me. Play. Why do you think it's that high? Just because of Notre because Dame? Because it's Notre Dame, and yeah. they, you think year two of Marcus Freeman. Uh, remember, their coaching Mar- staff was kind of overhauled too with the with offensive Tommy Reese gone, the offensive uh, line coach is gone. So I think there's some things to work through there in South Bend. Where do you stand on Marcus Freeman, by the way? I think he was in the right place at the right time and the what with the administration. I don't think the administration there wanted to do a major coaching search after BK left for South Bend and the fact that Marcus was there as a coordinator, it was like, okay, let's just hire him and move on. And the, uh, and the, kid, had, and the put, kids put, wanted him. Yes, I'll put it to you this way. Yeah. If Cincinnati were not in the college football playoff that year, Luke Fickle would be the head coach of Notre Dame. Wow. So Yeah. But and I, I hope. Look, I hope he does well because yeah. it's always. I always love to see former players who were really good college players uh, invest in, in becoming a coach and kind of make the, blaze a path. But we'll we'll see. I hope he does well. Where do you? Because I remember at the time. You'll correct me if I'm wrong. I'm misquoting you, but I remember you saying it usually doesn't work. No, out it, well it, it doesn't. I mean, when, I, when the kids right, sort of it, get, look yeah. at look at. I mean, I'm really dating myself here, but look like Carl Tor when Mac Brown left North Carolina. Yeah, and oh, we're gonna bring in Carl Torbush. He's a players coach. Yeah, it didn't go well. Look at Bill Stewart at West Virginia when when Rich Rod left for Michigan, and and, and they wound up blowing out Oklahoma in that ball. Oh, Bill, Bill Stewart's sorry, and that didn't go well. So, like, a lot of times these types of moves don't necessarily pan out. So, hopefully this will be a, uh, an example of where it does. Brief, brief uh, aside here, and this will not be part of the season win totals discussion, but Notre Dame under is. We'll get to the other season win totals after the break. But you mentioned Luke Fickle. How do you how do you stand on Luke Fickle? I going like Luke. I, I think Wisconsin uh, is a clear favorite in the in – the, in the, uh, whatever they're calling it now, the Big Ten West. I think we did away with leaders and legends. Leaders and legends was always the best. You finally have a quarterback now in Tanner Mordecai. is going to revolutionize that offense. I like what Luke has done there. I think if you look at that schedule, um, I I think they are in a good position in that West, and I would be very surprised if they were not in the Big Ten championship game against Ohio State or Michigan. A nightmarish coach at times for Cincinnati when it came to in-game betting or or Mm -hmm. even pre-flop betting when it came to totals or spreads. Because he would go, 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 we go with goal line situations yeah. where we're, we're gonna we're gonna run it up here or not. I, I'm guessing that doesn't change from his profile. I wouldn't think so. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys. I think that kind of has that Midwest kind of chip. I'm gonna puff out my chest and show you kind of stop us, then but, you stop us. But I I, yeah. I, I think he, I think with 
I was happy to see Luke grab a big-time job because, like I said, he was in the terrible situation of achieving an unbelievable goal at Cincinnati, getting a group of five team to the college football playoff. And at that same time, USC opened up, Notre Dame opened up, Oklahoma opened up, all these unbelievable blue-chip college football jobs opened up. And he's like, I can't leave my kids, so I just took to the college football playoff. We're about to play Alabama in the semifinal. I can't leave them for these jobs now. So I'm glad he wound up getting a, a really good big 10 job. Do you find with your job that, uh, and I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm mischaracterizing this, but you must have enough interaction with certain coaches that you tend to, you know, you're inevitably going to just like you like with any, with any people, you're going to like some, you're going to mm-hmm. not like some as, as much. Do you ever sort of internalize that where you're like, Oh, I can't let that influence me. Yes, all the time. Yeah. And and I will, full disclosure, I I have a great relationship with Chip Kelly. Yeah. And I have since he's been at Oregon. And there are a lot of times where, I mean, we don't, during the season, it's great because we never really talk about, like, anything other than just good luck, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I always have to kind of make a decision, like, all because I like Chip doesn't mean I'm going to lay seven <laughs> so, and a half, lay seven and a half points against <laughs> or against Oregon State or whatever. But, as soon as he turns the corner, you're fading. But but, yeah. but 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 I will tell you this: when when I do when I do pick them or against them on the board, I, I always get a little huh or a little like oh he's watching they're watching <laughs> he's watching he's, he's paying attention. Oh, I thought we had a lovely discussion exactly. there, Bear. Apparently not. A uh, couple more season win totals in college football that Chris Felica has added. We'll get to those. Uh, namely, UW and UAB, yep. University of Washington and uh, Alabama, Birmingham. He's got thoughts on those two schools. That's on the other side. And what else is he betting these days? Fox Sports' Chris Felica on his way for some uh, meetings in L.A., both on the uh, football season and the Women's World Cup. That's next. Numbers Game Visa, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm 
numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, the king of sports books, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM rewards points. So you can use, uh, you can redeem rather for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. And if you're planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20. MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. Sign up with BetMGM or log in today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager new and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800- Gambler Gil Alexander hanging out with uh, Chris Felica, the Bear from Fox Sports, watching a little tennis on the uh, TV screen here. Danielle freaking Collins serving for the set. Danielle freaking Collins serving for the first set against Belinda Bencic. Sloan Stevens won her first set in her match. Brody up a break in the fifth set. Yes, in the fifth set against Kasparud. I believe Drew Dinsick had Brody plus the games, right? Yeah. Yep. He was on there. I think so. The only way he loses that now is if Rude just wins every other game, I think. Um, you have a tennis I like his bet. Position. Yeah. I tomorrow like. I do. I looked at I laid uh, uh, Alexandra over to win straight sets against Madison Brangle. I, yeah. just, I, I, I just don't think that's a good match. I know Brangle won the hard court match last year against him, but I think the way Alexandra always plays on grass, I think. Her game kind of suits it much more so than Brangle, who tends to just want to, with the weaker serve, she wants to get you into some long rallies. I just don't think that's going to be that type of match. So it was, I laid a 120 with Alexandrova to beat Madison Brangle in straight sets tomorrow. Don't hate that bet at all. Brangle, a player who historically has a very poor serve mm-hmm. and a very good return right. game. So Alexandrova, uh, clearly the better grass court numbers. And the, the other thing that I did add, should, add, should add now, unfortunately, I hate saying the, the price is going to be gone. But uh, after her, after Sophia Cannon just hit Coco Goff off the court in the mm-hmm. first round, I played her a twenty-five to one to win the win Wimbledon, and Did she, you really? she wow. won again today in convincing fashion. Like she's an eager quarter, so like you could probably still get a decent price on her to win the court. Like remember, you might be aware that she's won a, a Grand Slam tournament. <laughs> I believe we had ago. her. Yeah. I believe we had her but at the Australian I, Open. So you know that she has the level yeah. to play with a player like Iga. And like I think that would potentially be the quarterfinal match they would meet. So you could probably get a, be- a short, a better price on Iga against Kennan. Maybe you can play your way and guarantee yourself a profit if you want. Yeah. But I don't know what the price is to win the quarter. But I, I thought after watching that match, I was like, damn, she's in great form right now. When she backed it up today, that Kennan golf match might have been the best oh, match great. of this tournament it was so far. Yeah. Ken- Let's put it this way: if Kennan played Sviatek, she wouldn't. She wouldn't mentally cave. That's for Correct. sure. That would not happen. Um, okay, back to college football. We brought up, uh, obviously, you like the Notre Dame under. You also like a position on UW. Yeah, I, I do. I was very high on the Huskies last year. I had them over, and it was a no-sweat win. And a lot of times the teams that kind of emerge from nowhere with the first-year head coach last year and panics coming in, like the, the expectations the following year are super, super high, as they are this year. So, remember, this is a team last year in Washington – that I think they beat or Cal. I've written that here. Cal, Oregon, and Oregon State. They beat them by a combined 13 points, and that took superhuman performances from Penix to do that. 
They lose Colorado. They lose UCLA on the schedule, and they pick up USC and Utah. That's a that's a net negative. Mm-hmm. So again, nine and a half. They take, it's going to take ten to beat me with a defense that really needs to improve, or else Penix is going to have to go crazy in order to carry them again. I, I don't know if they go ten and two. Congratulations, you beat me. But I'll play under with uh, Washington nine and a half. Well, so the under then totally takes this question <laughs> off the table, which is going to be because we were talking about you know betting. NFL coach of the year by proxy yesterday. Um, you know, Mike, if, if you like Pittsburgh, maybe just play Mike Tomlin coach of the year, mm-hmm. 25 to one, that sort of thing. We've done it in the past. We've talked about the past. So there's a lot of people who like Penix for the Heisman. So you're clearly not one of those people then. Hey, look, maybe that's a way to play it instead of playing a win total or them to win the Pac-12. That Because yeah. the Heisman is going to be an interesting bet this year because, again, we, we talked about it earlier with Nikola Jokic and we talked about it with Patrick Mahomes with the NFL Awards. Is there going to be – will the Heisman voters put Caleb Williams in the stratosphere with Archie Griffin, the only right. player to win two Heismans? That's right. Like, are, are they going to vote for him again if Penix has a great year or if – Quinn Ewers has a great whomever, uh, club dick at Clemson, mm-hmm. name the player. So there might be a situation where it's like, yeah, let's give it to someone else. He got his Heisman already. So he might be inclined to not play Caleb Williams because, I mean, look, Johnny Manziel had an unbelievable year. He did. The year after he won, I mean, in some ways better than the year that he won the Heisman. They didn't give it to him then. So because so, this is the follow-up question to that would be like, you know, the difference between an NBA MVP vote versus the Heisman. There's there's a thousand people of Heisman votes, right? Way too many people. Way too many votes. people. Um, do you and know? I'm not one of and them. And you're not one of them. That was my next question. Which is fine. So, the, yeah, Kelly's losing. Not, not fine. Not, <laughs> not, not fine. Not fine. Not fine. Yeah, everybody has a Heisman vote. He doesn't have. Chris Felica doesn't have a Heisman vote. So that the question was going to be, would a, would a group of a thousand voters be less inclined to care about the historical significance of of the Archie Griffin back-to-back, and I guess we already established with the Manziel thing, actually they might be. Right. I, I think so too. And But also, it also when you have such a large group of voters, I think kind of each individual vote is marginalized. Yes. They, don't, they don't matter as much. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. I mean, can he put up the type of numbers that he did last year? I mean, uh, you, lo- you lose Addison at wide receiver, but uh, they should be better on the defensive side of the ball, and maybe he won't have to account for 400 and whatever yards total offense every game and five touchdowns one more aside before we get to uab mm-hmm. you mentioned addison who do you think will be the best rookie wideout in the nfl of the of the of a great on paper what appears to be a great class i think quentin johnson this year i think quentin johnson really? is going to have the best year yes wow. i think he's in the best spot uh with that offense with eckler in the backfield and, and like i said keenan allen and mike williams who can't necessarily stay on the field i think I think he's going to get a lot of targets this year. Okay. In, uh, almost at San Diego. Not mentioned Jackson Smith and Jigba. Not mentioned. Oh yeah, no he yeah. he will he will have a he will have a clearly a, a great role as well. But uh, okay. but I think I think Johnson is as a big play factor that maybe Smith and Jigba have been the, in the in the position in the situation that he is in his rookie year might not. All right, UAB to close it out. Yeah, every everybody's talked about uh, Deion Sanders in, in Colorado and that coaching move, but. Not as many people have talked about, like Trent Dilfer is the coach at UAB. Like, is this going to work? The guy coached uh, high, school, high school, and now you're at a, at a team that struggled last year to get to six wins in their final game of the regular season to get to a bowl game. You know, Bill Clark steps away, who built that program from scratch, was clearly one of the best group of five coaches, and you lose Dwayne McBride, who was far and away your best offensive player, the running back who got drafted. You lose your entire offensive line. 
You, you lose a massive amount of players on the defensive side of the ball. You're in a new league, which, again, the American kind of took a bunch of teams from Conference USA, so mm -hmm. maybe the American isn't the American like we thought it was, but they still have to go to uh, Tulane, I believe. they got to go to Georgia. Uh, they got they got a couple of other games. UTSA they have to go to. Like there are a bunch of games on that schedule that I don't think they can win. Their season win total is five and a half. I'd be surprised if they got to six. So I'm uh, I'm under five and a half in UAB year one. UAB under five and a half. By the way, I love Trent Dilfer when he was on ESPN. Yes, Trent. He was Trent so was great. great. Trent did yeah. some of the best analysis tapes, the VOs, Agreed. the telestrator of, of anybody out there. And again, a guy that I, I, I it's funny, I ran into him out here uh, for the when it, for, for the Vegas Bowl like a few years ago as well. And it was great to see him. I hadn't seen him since he had left ESPN. But, um, you know, another guy that, I, that I'm rooting for, he's a football junkie. And obviously his connections with the Elite 11 brought in uh, Chris Mortensen's son to be one of his uh, mm -hmm. coordinators as well. Oh, sweet. He was an analyst at Alabama. So, again, I hope he ultimately does well, but I think this year is going to be a little bit of a transition year with the roster and the conference. Hope he's not listening because you'll get a <laughs> – so under under five and a half on UAB, under nine and a half UW, yep. and under eight and a half yeah. was, was yeah. Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, tell us you're going to do – are you allowed to talk about what you're, what you're going to do podcast-wise? Yeah, um, I, I have uh, – I'm getting you – know, people have been asking, yeah. so – yeah, I'm going to have a, a weekly podcast for college football, a weekly podcast for the NFL. So we're going to do two shows a week, and they're going to be digital shows. So you'll unfortunately have to look at my ugly face if you want. <laughs> yes. Along with a, a crew yet to be determined who's going to join me each week, if it's going to be a set person, if it's going to be rotating guests, there are going to be segments where I have different people on to, to kind of have a little unique kind of segment and kind of a – Betting kind of roundtable type deal. So, right. but yeah, oh, they'll, they'll be a uh, guest roundtable. Yeah. Where have I heard that before? We'll That's see. a good format. Well, I'm just everyone steals your ideas. So we, <laughs> we, we need to do it as <laughs> well. Good but yeah, no, we'll, we'll have we'll have two shows a week, one college, one NFL. Looking forward to it. And are you excited for your deep dive into the NFL? Because that's am. not what we know you for. I, I am because last, it's funny. Last year when I did the Amazon stuff with Kirk on Thursday nights, yeah. I wasn't sure. Like my, my travels in college, I'd get back middle of the day uh, on a Sunday, and I'd be so tired. I just want to go to sleep. And normally I'd watch the 4 o'clock starts in the NFL and then the, the Sunday night and Monday night. But I being in the truck for the NFL games last year and just seeing – the level of play there and the execution, the crispness, and the, how quick the game went as opposed to college, I'm, I'm excited to, to be diving in more than the NFL. Good for you, man. I mean, I grew up on the NFL. I had jet season tickets for 30 years. <laughs> You're, no, <laughs> I, I paid my, my dues. My condolences. <laughs> um, good for you. Good things happening to great people. We're very Thank happy you, for you. Lombardi Line is next. Enjoy. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.